We're going to have a look at the Lord's Prayer this morning, and what I'd like to do is actually show you how it reads in the New Living. You see on the screen, Our Father in Heaven, may Your name be kept holy. May Your kingdom come soon. May Your will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is, in the Christian life, uh, a power tool. Um, I, you know, almost a little bit embarrassed to say that for a good portion of my adulthood, I've not had a cordless drill. You know what a cordless drill is? Right? Yes. And uh, so I have done a number of household projects uh, with a simple screwdriver, hammer, you know, the old school, right? And boy, I tell you, the difference when you have a cordless drill in your hand, when you're needing to attach things to walls or, or assemble Ikea furniture, even though they don't recommend that you use power tools, you know, just the ability to go faster, to have more strength, to have some assistance. And this passage is Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, where Matthew records the words of Christ, comes because his followers ask Jesus for help in learning how to pray. And he says to them, pray like this. And he gives them a tool. It's a vehicle. Um, now, you don't see later in the story him asking them if they prayed those specific words every day. But it was something that was important. It was something that was helpful. And I would prefer that instead of us coming together for pop culture, pop psychology on a Sunday morning, that we come together to learn from Jesus. This is City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We had a great time last night with a number of other churches in worship and in prayer. Uh, the scheduled worship leader came up with the flu. I was so very thankful for Chris, uh, for every one of our team that came together. Joe and Rebecca and Chiquetta and Charlotte came together to uh, to help pitch in at the last minute. And um, when I drive home from there to back over here, I pass by this huge statue to Martin Luther. Uh, it's near. It's on the south side of Lake Montebello. And it reminded me of, there's a little book that you can find for free or maybe a dollar online, a digital version, written by Martin Luther um, called A Simple Way to Pray. And the the starting point of this, the genesis of this uh, work was actually he had a barber that he was particular to. Somebody that, I don't know, a lot of the pictures I see of him, he looks a little unkept, but apparently he was... He was kept for part of his life, and he had a bar- barber named Peter, and uh, Peter had become a follower of Christ, but sadly, um, at a wedding celebration, Peter got into a fight. He got drunk, and he got into a fight with his son-in-law, and he killed his son-in-law. And in his sentence, he was sentenced to an exile prison, and he was desperate in asking Martin Luther to help him learn how to pray. And so this little book, A Simple Way to Pray, is actually Martin Luther's book to his what he wrote for his barber who was going away, who he might not ever be able to see again. And there's a lot of really good stuff to learn from this letter. Um, but simply, he he, if we were to boil down the letter, this is how we would do so. He says, start with meditation on a previously studied text. 
And we'll talk a little bit more in a moment why that's important. But he says, you know, even if it's something like uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. So Martin Luther suggests to Peter that he start with a passage of Scripture that is meaningful to him. And then, uh, second, and maybe most famously, he instructs Peter to paraphrase the Lord's Prayer. In other words, he says, Peter, take the Lord's Prayer, this our Father who art in heaven, and pray it to God in your own words. And he goes a little bit further. Um, and so I think most of us might rename the book from a simple way to pray to a slightly complicated way to pray. He, he says, so take that scripture and how you respond to that scripture and then use the Lord's prayer to talk that scripture out. So God, you are holy. May your kingdom come. God, would you help me come to a place of trusting you with all your heart, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Give us this day our daily bread so that in turn you will provide for me. And so on and so on, weaving the passages together. And third, Martin Luther writes, pray from your heart after you have done these steps, the first two. Pray from your heart because this is where our hearts and feelings converge. What I have, what I have learned is that using the scripture to pray is very helpful. There are times where I don't know what to pray. And, and you will find, uh, before you leave today, I'll put a booklet in your hand for our 21 days of prayer and fasting that we start this evening. And, and you, if I've got your email, I'll be emailing you every day as I did last night, sent the first one. And you can find online, uh, my site, uh, benmalman.com, all through the 21 days, the daily topic of prayer. And those of you that are following with me and read through the Bible in a year, also the daily Bible reading and comments on the scriptures there. Um, Pastor Ben, that's a lot of scripture. Well, it's helpful. It's better for you. Most of us learn language so early in life that we can't remember. My wife has memories that go back before she was two years old. I, I don't. Maybe the concussions, I don't know. Um, but most of us learn language so early that we don't have any recollection of it. And so the only time where we start to meaningfully understand what it means to learn a language is if we try to learn a second language, which most Americans, of course, do not. Most other people do, but we tend to not. But learning a language is incredibly helpful. And the way that we actually learn a language as infants, in fact, there is science to suggest that an infant starts to learn language while they're still in their mother's womb. Uh, there is science to, that says that the broader, uh, that the more a child is spoken to and the broader the vocabulary that they are spoken to, the greater their grasp on language throughout their whole life will be. And so cuckooing and oh, do, 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 and baby talk is actually not helpful for infants. Now I know that if we do that, we seem like we're nice people. And if we don't do that, we seem like we're rude people. But I'm just saying that the science suggests that the more a child is spoken to, the greater they comprehend and the quicker they learn language and the more they're able to articulate what they're learning. I want to take it just uh, a step further. And here's a quote from a book that's been available for you for free on the table all year long. Timothy Keller says, uh, says this, if God is not the starting point, 
then our own perceived emotional needs become the drivers and sole focus of our prayer. We cannot grow in relationship with a person unless we learn who they are. So I want to just couch this with this reminder. Jesus describes God as a good father, as a gracious father, as a loving father, as a father who would give his children good gifts. And here's what I want to say. The Holy Spirit is interacting with us even before we cross the line of making a decision to faith. Holy Spirit is interacting with us, drawing us, speaking to us, and listening to us, even if we have not yet confessed Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And God the Father loves you, even in an immature state. And so you can cry out to God, you can talk to God, and and, and you might even, if you get to actually read the Scripture, read some of the way that people talk to God in the Scripture, be a little disappointed with how they talk to God. You shouldn't talk to God like that. But actually, you only, rarely do you see God the Father correct them in how they speak to Him. God the Father is a good Father and a loving Father, so we should never feel intimidated. We should never feel like we shouldn't pray because we don't know what to say. In, in fact, whether your prayer is loud or quiet, long or short, God loves you. And whether you have for years only ever prayed out of your own thoughts and your own understanding of who God is and out of your own feelings, it's okay. But what we are talking about here is that what we see in Scripture is God is drawing us into spiritual growth. God is drawing us into a deeper relationship with Him. And when we get to know who God is for real, not based on my own preconceived notions, we find that God's love is better than any human's love. That was a good time to say, Amen! Yes, it is! I found that to be true! Preach it, preacher! Right? We When we approach God and learn God for who he really is instead of our preconceived notions, we find that his love is greater, more faithful than, more patient than any other human. Because he's not human, he's God. And so learning about God in the scripture before we start to pray or using it as a source, a launching pad for the scripture is a helpful, useful thing to do. In fact, we've had another book we've had on the table for a while, Answering God by Eugene Peterson, talks about how Jesus even used the Psalms as a prayer book, and many believers had have now for thousands of years, because it is speaking to God in the language of God. This is so incredibly important. So, let's turn to the Lord's Prayer, and we'll, we'll leave... Martin Luther's lessons are a slightly more complicated way to pray for later. For now, for the next few moments, let's just focus on using the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for our prayer. Now, Jesus surprised them, particularly at the moment, primarily Jewish believers, with how he starts. Because he doesn't start with Adonai. He doesn't start with Yahweh. He uses a street Greek daddy word first for God. Daddy God, who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy in me. Your name is sacred. Your name is holy. Your name is powerful. Who you are carries weight with me. Who you are makes a difference for me. Daddy God, who is in heaven. It is so helpful for us 
in whatever state we are in, to start our prayer with a confession of faith that your God is in heaven. Your daddy God is sovereignly in control. Your daddy God is not intimidated. Is not opposed to the point of being overwhelmed. Your daddy God sits on the throne Mm -hmm. in heaven. It helps me many times in my life. Like David, worn out from crying, exhausted, angry, hurt, lonely, tired. Many times in my life, I've started my prayer with Daddy God who is in heaven. And let me tell you, the more that you do that, the more comforting it is instantly. Instantly. I can tell you something from experience. When you start your prayer with a praise of God, it adjusts your perspective. It changes your feelings. It changes your thoughts. It helps bring you into a place where you can actually have a conversation with the person you're speaking to. It would not be all that smart to talk to me about computer programming and speak in Cantonese. I would have no idea what you're saying. It would not be a productive conversation. But you, a lot of you know you can talk to me in English about a variety of subjects, about the ravens, about food, and we can have a meaningful conversation. Are you with me? The Daddy God who is in heaven. So I encourage you to start your prayer with that. Daddy God who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I praise your name. Praise God. Tell God what you believe about God. I believe you're the creator. I believe you're the all-powerful one. I believe you're the one who loves me. I believe you're the one who sent your son to die for me. This is a good way to start. Use your words. Use the things that you have learned about God to be true. What is it that you have learned in your life? What is it that you have found in the scriptures that makes God praiseworthy? You remember, last month, we're talking about Psalm 136. I will throw my praise at the Almighty God because His faithful love endures forever. Start your prayer with praise. Our Father who is in heaven, may Your name be kept holy. May Your kingdom come soon. Now, what we start to recognize is we start to recognize some patterns in, the, in this prayer. We see praise. It lifts up God and describes Him. We see intercession and submission, prayer that asks for the kingdom of God to come in our world. How is the kingdom of God described? As righteousness, right relationship with God and others, peace, the shalom peace of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. So I'm saying, God, would your righteousness, peace, and joy come on the inside of me while I'm in this earth, in my relationships, in my home? Would your kingdom come in my neighborhood? Would your kingdom come at my workplace, at my school? Would your kingdom come in our city? Would your kingdom come in our nation? From the White House to the poor house. I just check in to see if you're awake. God, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? God, what do you want me to do? What do you want done? How do you want it done? It should be a daily prayer. I'm conversing with God in the words that He gave me to pray. 
Jesus didn't give us this pattern to discourage us. He gave us this pattern to be a help to us. Daddy God who is in heaven, I praise your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the same way. That is so important because it's what we see on earth is different than what we see in heaven. The submission, prayer that puts his will above ours daily. So we start, Daddy God who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before we get to, give us this day our daily bread. And Jesus, I looked at it in the Greek, hard. He just said, today's bread. He could have said whatever he wanted to say. He could have said the bread for my whole life, the bread for my whole life and my whole life and my family. He could have said, send me a winning lotto ticket. He didn't say that. Give us today's bread. In the context of having already prayed for the will of God. We have a scripture that says, God don't give me so much that I forget about you and don't give me so little that I go stealing. And I like to pray the Proverbs 3 and 5 before I pray the daily prayer. I say, thank you God for what you have given me in the way of daily bread. I thank you God for what I've got. And God, I will trust you with all my heart. I will lean not on my own understanding. I'm not going to live by what I can see. I'm going to live by faith before I get to give us this day our daily bread. And I like to pray the Abrahamic covenant. What is that? Those are big words. It's the promise that God gave Abraham. I will bless you to be a blessing. I like to pray beyond that. God, will you bless me so that I can be a blessing to others? Will you give me more than enough time, energy, and money and the ability to be a good steward so that I can be blessed so that I can be a blessing to others? Give us this day our daily bread. Repentance, a prayer that confesses sin, asking for grace and mercy. God, forgive us. Forgive. A confession of wrong. This is what I've done that was wrong that I shouldn't do. Please forgive me. By your grace, I won't do it again. Father, forgive us as we forgive. One of the things maybe we wish the most that Jesus hadn't instructed us to pray. A forgiveness, a prayer that asks for help in forgiving others. It is my belief, and I'm so thankful for Celebrate Recovery, where we learn about daily inventory, about stopping each day to take an inventory of what's happened about not going past a day with resentment, with hurt, with anger, but instead daily to stop and to just say, God, this is what happened. It hurt me. I choose to forgive. But Jesus is a genius. He's a genius. Jesus is so great because he teaches us to pray, forgive us as we forgive. Because see, it's a whole lot easier to forgive when I start with a reminder of what God has forgiven me for. God, please forgive me for my wrong. A Jesus who went to the cross so that I could be forgiven of sins. Forgive us as we forgive. Lead us not into temptation. Peter said it like this, let nothing take the place of you in my heart. You know the prayer in the scripture, God help us avoid the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. God cleanse me from all things carnal. God reorder my heart. Let my value system, let me not have a disorder of the heart. 
Lead me not into temptation that I would value anything more than you, Lord. Daddy God who is in heaven. Forgive me as I forgive. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Jesus instructs us to pray this. Now, certainly we, we can pray. God, protect us from any accidents or from any illness or, or and heal us from the effects of those things. But he does instruct us to pray in a way that is alert to spiritual warfare. There is an enemy of your soul. Multiple times we see warnings in the scripture. Sin is waiting for you. You must control it. There is a, it's a biblical precedent for us to pray. God, would you let my enemy, his agents, their works and effects be bound? Let your Holy Spirit be released in my life in this world. We should do that. God, protect us from the evil one. It's a deliverance prayer. And some manuscripts include, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We see in it priorities, a prayer that declares it's not about me, it's all about you. I find this to be really helpful. Timothy Keller writes this, We must know the awe of praising His glory, the intimacy of finding His grace, and the struggle of asking His help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of His presence. Prayer then is both awe and intimacy, struggle and reality. That's the truth. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. God loves you. God wants to hear from you. Jesus gave us instruction in how to pray. Learning this, when we take a step into this, we can invite God, the Holy Spirit, to help us. Do you know that there are certain things that we can pray where we're in alignment with the will of God, we can be assured that God is going to help us. How many of you want to pray a prayer that you know God is going to answer? The way to do that is finding the prayers in the Scripture. Why don't you bow your heads for just a moment. Allow me to read the prayer to us one more time. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Lord, we come to you this morning in all honesty and confessing that at times we live life in a prayerless way. We don't often pray as we should. We often don't pray to connect with you, to be mindful of who you really are. We find ourselves like Hagar, going through life hurt, wounded, and needing to hear from you to help us realize that we have not 
seen you. Needing to hear from you to realize that you have truly seen us. Lord, I ask, would you please help us? Help us to receive your love. Help us to receive your forgiveness. Help us to be drawn to you. Help us to be inspired today to speak to you, to listen to you, to open up and start conversations with you, to go deeper in conversations with you. Help us to be honest with you, honest with each other, that we wouldn't no longer try to go through life out of our own strength or isolated, but we would be open about our need for spiritual growth, our need for inspiration, our need for change, for next steps. I'm so very thankful. You didn't leave us to struggle through life on our own, in our own way. But you sent your son Jesus to be God with us, who spoke words of encouragement, who gave us tools, who equipped us. I thank you that that is who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, if you will um, hold tight for just a moment. Can I have a couple people that would help me just handing out a couple of things? And then this is for anyone who wants larger print. If anyone wants larger print, we have these here. Let's see, yeah. There's a couple back there. So... And if you uh, were not able to be here last Sunday, um, we have um, a couple other things as well. Uh, we have a small card that has verses from last Sunday's message about wholehearted devotion and questions to consider. Um, so let's feel free to see if anybody needs this. And then this single sheet here is a more detailed explanation about what we're doing. So, as those handouts are going, every year as a church family, we take three weeks at the beginning of the year to be more focused on God than anything else. It's a time of the year where together we just make a commitment. We're going to be more focused on God than anything else. And we take some time to learn about the spiritual discipline of fasting. And on the the book table at the back of the room, this book is available to you free of charge. I want to make sure this is something we try to have there every week. Um, But please make sure that you uh, get one of these books if you have not had a copy of this before. So what we do is we take three weeks at the beginning of the year to set aside a little bit more time than we usually do every day to be in God's presence. That's the idea. That's what we're making an effort to do. And we call it first because we take in from Matthew 6, where we were this morning, Jesus' words, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Matthew chapter 6, 
verse 33. And Jesus uses specific word that there are things that are first in rank, higher in value, a higher priority, a highest priority for you. And the reality is, is that it's very easy for us in this life to not live with the kingdom of God as our highest priority. We almost need like a shock and awe, a verbal dynamite. We need something to help shake us up to come to a place to even come close to having the kingdom of God as our first priority, as Jesus suggests. And so one of the things that we do as a spiritual discipline, as a church family, is try to respond to that. What we see in Matthew chapter 6 is three phrases that Jesus uses for the average believer. And we talked about this in greater length last week. This is not for the superheroes. This is not for the people that are extreme or the people that are just passionate or a little bit weird. This is for the average everyday believer. Jesus speaks about when you give... That's your money to the church and to the poor. When you give, when you pray, we just talked about this morning how to pray. And when you fast, that's when you go without food to help you be more focused on God. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. And on each of those three things, Jesus says, these things are not for show. This is not for you to get a better reputation or for other people to think that you're better. Oh, they're great. They're spiritual. No, there's no rank and file in the family of God. It's not for show, but it's to help your focus. It's to help you seek God. And what we see at the end of Matthew chapter 6, this is how you can grow in not worrying and not having your life dominated by worry, but instead having peace. Jesus says that fasting... What this Jesus is weird. He's a genius and he's weird. Are you with me? But Jesus says this is the way to peace. This is the way to not letting the worries about every day, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, dominate you and give you stress and anxiety and depression. This is the way. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. And so we like to say this is in terms of good stewardship and courageous generosity. What does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. It means I believe that God has already given me his best. Even if my life only gets worse from here, my reasonable response is to choose to live on less of my own time, energy, and money so that I can give those things to God. That was really important. I'm going to say it again. I believe that God has already given me his best, so I choose to live on less of my own time, energy, and money so I can give those things to God and to other people. So... This is not a way to earn forgiveness of your sins. No. That's only through Jesus. This is not a way for you to be the teacher's pet or more favored by God. No, God loves you as much now as he ever will. I think that's an important distinction. It's a private discipline, and it's about your personal interaction with God. If it means something to you, it will mean something to God. If it's something that you only do because of some sort of weird external pressure, it will not mean something to God. Important distinction. So, fasting is where we go without to make room for more. What we find as results of this is my spiritual appetites change. I become more aware of how my various appetites and cravings are affecting me. To what degree are they affecting my life and my direction? It will bring strength to my personal devotion to God. It helps remove clutter in my spirit. And I feel this is very important for us this year. So that we can come to a place when every time we gather in small groups and celebrate recovery and here on Sunday morning, where we can be fully aware of the presence of God. That's why I flipped the script on the order of the 
service today. Some of you just got here and now we're going to go into worship and you're going to see, is Pastor Ben going to preach until 1.30? No, I'm not. I'm almost done. <laughs> Removes clutter and it increases our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And different than we have in years past this year, we're not going to do a no meats and no sweets. Instead, what I want to do is call your attention to choose, map out to skip a particular meal, a day, a stretch of three days. It's wherever you're at. If you've never tried this before, try one meal. And what's the purpose of that? Why would I not eat one meal? Well, you would not eat one meal so that you would spend those minutes in prayer. If you wolf your down, your lunch down in five minutes, five minutes in prayer. If you do a little bit of Netflix with your lunch and it's an hour because you're a government worker, I mean, you know, whatever, (laughs) whatever it is, the proportion that you normally stuff your face, we want to be in prayer in that amount of time. Does that make sense? Anyone else need one of these books? Okay, so again, at benmolman.com, every day you will see the post of what we're praying through as a church, and you will receive in your email the night before what we're praying through as a church, and the same content is here in this print material, so that we're praying through the same things as a church. Now, I know it's kind of asking a lot. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. And I think Jesus had some good thoughts. So, what I've asked you today, and last Sunday I gave you that little piece of paper, is that before you start, you think through the questions that you now see on the screen. Why am I doing this? Why would I spend time fasting January 6th to 26th? Because you know that on the 27th we have our church anniversary party, and it's going to be pretty good. Oh, uh, that might not be your reason. Why am I doing this? What activities will I be doing without? I find that I've got to change up my schedule. Change up the stuff that I do. What specific meals will I be going without? Plan it. If you don't plan it, it's not very likely to happen. What days and times will I be in prayer? And what will I be praying about? What are the things that I love most? Some of the stories that I hear from you that are most meaningful are your own personal roadmap of topics, the things that you're praying for, and how God answers those prayer. It's very, very important. And in closing, here's just kind of the sample prayer that I've given for us to have as we focus to go into that. And I'd like to ask the the worship team uh, to come back at this time. God, you are more important to me than anything else in this world. Thank you for taking away my sin through Jesus. Thank you for loving me. This January 6th to the 26th, I will fast and pray in this way. Please help me love you with all I've got. There's our sample prayer. So now we're going to worship. This is the time where Christians for centuries have given the best of their energy to God because it is our reasonable response. I'll pray and you can feel free to stand or sit and respond to Chris as he leads us. Lord, we go into this season needing your help. We need help to skip a meal. We need help to pray, to learn how to interact with you in a meaningful way. Would you please help us? Lord, would you please even today inspire our worship and by your Holy Spirit minister to us through this time. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.